Okay, welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We are in class number 28. Specifically, we are studying the subject of Emunah. Today's class will be given for Refuah Shalimah Yaakov Ben Sarah. May you have Refuah Shalimah Bekarov Amen. As we discussed, the subject of Emunah is extremely popular, but also, in many ways, it's not studied in its full capacity from beginning to end. And we're trying, step by step, to learn all the principles of Emunah and how to bring it to life in our everyday interactions. The Hazon Ish writes in one of his letters that Midat HaEmuna, he calls Emuna the characteristic of Emuna. It's called a Midah. First of all, before we even read what he says, just calling emunah amidah already has some important value for us. In what way does emunah go with the word midah? So let me explain to you why it's valuable. When it comes to certain mitzvot, it's black or white. There's no, it's not a midah. A midah means a measurement. For example, a person either kept Shabbat or they didn't. It's not, oh, you kept it a little. It's not like that. You either kept it or you didn't keep it. It could be there's value in keeping a little. I don't know. But as far as saying, did you keep Shabbat? You either did or you didn't. When it comes to a person who ate matzah and pesah, they either ate matzah or they didn't. You either ate hametz, chas or you didn't. When it comes to midot, it's not so black and white. It's not, oh, oh, either you did it, or you, either you have it, or you don't have it. You see, emunah, for most of us, we would probably think emunah is also a pretty black and white type of item. You either have emunah, you either believe, or you don't have emunah, you don't believe. It's one or the other. So that's why when the Hazanish says midat emunah, it's important for us to know that emunah is a characteristic in the sense that a person can have emunah on many levels. Like he says, he says, madregot, which means you can have emunah and you can believe, but it doesn't mean that you have the highest level of emunah. Again, we would have thought there are people who don't believe, they're in the non-believer section, and then there are the people who believe. And then if you believe, then you're in the same path. Now we're learning, it's not like that. That even in the emunah path, 
where people are believing, they are levels. You could be level one, you could be level two, you could be level a hundred, maybe level a thousand, maybe ten thousand. There are many levels in emunah. So just because you have emunah, that doesn't mean you have the highest level of emunah. So our job is to understand first what these levels are. We're not going to get to all thousand levels. I don't mean that. But at least basically, what are the different levels of emunah? And what is the emunah we're looking to achieve? So we'll say the most simple emunah, the lowest level of emunah. And again, in every level there are levels. But I'm going to cut it down to three levels. The most simple elementary level emunah is a person who basically looks at the world as a place where there's a cause and effect. For example, a person was matzliah in business, they made money, oh, well, they're very smart, they have a lot of ambition, they had a good connection, so it makes sense why they were successful. The army is well-trained, they have very strong soldiers, they have a very big army, they have new weapons, they're very bright, so they won the war. Makes sense. So this is a person who looks at the results of life in a very cause and effect way, and the cause is something that makes sense with what their eyes see. Again, those are two examples I give you, and you could write down for yourself millions of examples, literally, of how a person will look at something that took place and say, oh, you know why this happened? Because look, oh, you know why this didn't happen? Because look. Now, once in a while, this type of person will mention, oh yeah, it's all from Shemaim. Really, in reality, their life understanding and translation of things is always by what their eyes see. And they make the calculations of the results according to that. But again, somewhere deep in their conscience, they also believe in God. But it's not really real. But like I said, once in a while, maybe when they're frustrated... Or maybe they're having a good day. And then, oh yeah, it's all from Hashem. Meanwhile, for the last three months, they've been talking all about how things happen in the physical way. But again, once in a while, you'll see them throw out of Baruch Hashem, it's from Hashem, Hakol Mishamai. That's the lowest level of Emunah. This person is a Ma'amin. They have emunah, obviously, if they're saying it's from Hashem. But that emunah is not really alive that much. Most of their understanding is a natural cause and effect. The middle level is a person who believes, of course, again, has emunah in Hashem. But they also have emunah in other things, like their knowledge, their, their decision-making. They have a very strong belief that they're smart enough to get out of any situation. 
They believe in their money, their financial power. They believe in their political power. They believe that they are able to go to a meeting and make it work and get that order. They believe that the doctor they're going to is definitely capable of helping them and will help them. But along with all of that, they also ask Hashem for help. Which means, of course the doctor is the one helping me. But I also need Hashem to help me. Because I understand that they are usually the reason why you need Hashem, this, this person, is because there are things that are out of our control. I mean, what if the doctor gets sick? What if things don't turn out exactly the way the doctor understood? So there are things in life that can happen that can throw off what you expected. So of course if the meeting goes well, I'm going to get the order. But let's say it's pouring rain and there's a who knows what. And let's say there's a situation where that person has a hard day and his wife got sick or, or something. There are things that are unexpected that I can't control. I know what I can control. I can control the meeting. I got it. All is good. I got the order. I can control. Doctor is going to do a great job. But what if he's sick? Well, he can't control that. I know that. So therefore, I need heavenly assistance in my daily life because I can't just do it with the natural causes because as we know, Things happen in the natural world that are unexpected. So I need to turn to God to help me, please. Let there be a safe flight. I mean, the pilot's doing well, but what if things happen in the air that I'm not expecting? All of a sudden, the storm comes and things are happening. I, I need help for that. So I'm going to say, Tefilat I'm going to, of course, Hashem is the one that's going to help me. But also the pilot's helping me. And also the doctor's helping me. And also my mind's going to help me. And also my money is going to make me secure. This is Benoni. This person, you will find much more connection to his emuna than the first one. The first one is not even thinking about God. He's not thinking about what Hashem is doing for him. He's basically living a natural life, whatever is happening. And like I said, once in a while, he remembers that Hashem is behind whatever is going on. This person is much more attuned to emuna, but still, it is not a complete emuna. It's an emuna where Hashem has his portion in what's happening. And of course, you got to turn to him because you need that portion to take place in the best way. And then you have a person, number three, we'll call it the highest level. And this is a person who when they live life, as they see what's happening, their explanation of whatever happens is that everything happens from Hashem. Not because of any physical cause. No matter what happens. No matter what the situation is. Someone hurts them. They say something or they do something or they talk about them, they see that directly from Shemayim. The first person gets very hurt, gets very worked up. I can't believe what they said about me. They're going to ruin my name. They're going to hurt my family. They're gonna, and they get all 
wound up. Maybe after they calm down two months later, someone reminds them, remember what happened? Oh yeah, Minash Shemaim. That's, that's the first guy. Right? The second guy is a little better. The third guy, he sees someone, he hears someone spoke about him, someone heard him, someone stole from him, someone knocked out something in his house. He doesn't even see the guy. He sees Hashem is the one who did it. Now, of course, we'll remind ourselves one more time that we have to make Hishtad Lut. That is not a question. That's not the subject of this class. That is a very important subject. The relationship of Hishtad Lut and Emunah. We're not going to discuss it today. Of course, if things are going wrong, we have to try to make them better in the best of our abilities, part of Hishtad Lut. Why we have to make Hishtad Lut is a whole different subject. But today we're discussing the reality of why things happen to me and why things happen to you and why things happen to anybody. At the end of the day, the ma'amin is the person who understands, the highest level of ma'amin is the one who understands. He doesn't see someone talking about him. He sees Hashem talking about him. He sees someone cursing. No, Hashem wants me to be cursed. He sees he gets hurt. No, no, it's not the accident that hurt me. That's not why I got hurt. It's because Hashem wants me this way. It's not that for that reason I didn't get the order. It's not why I got the order because I said this great line and wow, it just changed the whole meeting. It's not why. I found the Shidduch because, oh, so lucky. I can't believe. How, it's not like that. No, no. Hashem sends you the Shidduch. And if He didn't send you the Shidduch, that means He didn't send you the Shidduch. And everything is viewed completely without any physical without any physical source in what has happened to me that's called living the highest level of emuna A person of emunah is able to make the beracha hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz. I don't know if you've ever made that beracha. I assume that you're thinking, of course we did. What does that mean? Everybody here has eaten bread hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz. Who hasn't made that beracha? But in reality, I'm not sure how many made that beracha. Because let's think what that beracha means. The beracha hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz means... Let me tell you how bread got to your table. First of all, somebody bought a field. They invested money in that field. And they went and they bought equipment. And they started to plow the field. And they worked very hard after plowing to get it ready for planting. They planted the seeds. They prepared for the season of the rain. Rain came down. Then they went ahead and they cut it. And then they cleaned it, and then they grinded it, and then they baked it, and then they put it on the shelf in a store. Well, actually, no, somebody had to pick it up. There was a trucker in between. They got it to the store. They put the price tag on it. You went into the store. You went ahead and you bought it. You paid for it with your money, and then you put it on your table. And then you say the beracha, hamotzi lechem the one who took out the bread. Thank you, Hashem, for taking the bread out of the earth. Do you really believe that? 
do you really believe that Hashem is the one who gave you that bread? What do you mean? It wasn't the farmer? It wasn't the trucker? It wasn't the store? That's not what happened? Whatever I went through to get that bread, that really didn't happen? It wasn't the guy taking the bread out and delivering it to the store, which I, no. Hamotzi lehem min ha'aretz. Which means, a real ma'amin knows that that bread was given to him. Hashem wanted him to have that bread. Yes, there's all types of things that happened, but at the end of the day, that's all not relevant to him. That bread was earmarked for you at the price that you bought it for. And if the guy behind the counter gave you a smile, that's also earmarked for you. And if he frowned and gave you a hard time, that's also earmarked for you. If he was obnoxious behind the counter, that's also earmarked for you. Your entire experience of that bread, just putting it on your table from beginning to end, the price you paid, let's say you went to a store and you didn't find the bread. They're out of stock. Hashem is the one who made it out of stock for you. You're not getting that bread from that store. And if you had to go to three stores, it's also Hashem behind it. And everything in between. And if the bread that you bought at the end of the day came out not so good, oh, you thought it's going to be good, it wasn't that great. It was a little bit raw. Or it was a little bit old. That's also part of Hamotzi Lechemin Ha'aretz. Now, I don't know about you, that's a pretty difficult life to live. I mean, it's a great life. Living with emunah, like I told you before, is the only way a person can live a full life of simha. If you think that people are in charge of your future and your success or failure, we're in trouble. You're going to be annoyed by many people. You're going to be scared of many situations. You're going to watch your back too often. You're going to have to have too many alarm systems in your house. When people control my life or things are controlling my life, it's a scary world. So there's no way to have real simha without real emunah. This is called real emunah. When you're living in the physical world and yet you just see Hashem and you in that relationship. Let me read for you a Ramban. This Ramban in the end of Parashat Bo, is required reading for every Jew. It's a very long Ramban, and many parts of it is required. I'm just going to read one part. Says the Ramban, En la Adam helek betorat Moshe Rabbeinu, which means a person has no part of Moshe Rabbeinu's Torah, meaning you cannot consider yourself in any way a Torah Jew ad until shena'amin, until you believe you have emuna bechol devarenu umikrenu that no matter what happens to you or to us as individuals or as a people shekulam nisim Everything is a miracle. And bahem teva, there is no nature. Of course, there's nature, but it means nature 
is not the one determining what is happening to you. You didn't make money because of nature. You didn't get married because of nature. You didn't get not married because of nature. It's not nature. There is no nature involved in the outcomes of your life. En bahem teva shel olam. Everything that happens, he says, ben barabim, ben beyahid. Whether it's happening to the community at large, or it's happening to a minyan of people, or it's happening to one individual. Everything that happens in my life is a ness. It's a miracle. If I walk out of this shul today and I get home safely, it's a miracle. And if it's not, it's also a miracle. Everything that happens is a ness, is a miracle. Now the truth is, if everything happens a miracle, so when, what are miracles then? What we call miracles, he's saying everything that happens in my life is a miracle. That means if you get home today safely, say, ah, oh, right? I walked across the street, everything is good. Nothing happened to me. It's great. Say, Gomel. You should say it's when you go into your neighbor's house. That's what it is, because who knows what could happen. In, in the world of Nisim, it doesn't matter if you're flying across the Atlantic Ocean or you're crossing across the street. It's the same thing. He's telling you everything is a ness. Everything. No matter what happened or didn't happen, from the simplest to the most complex, it's all a miracle. Why is it a miracle? Because Hashem is directly involved in what took place in your life. So why is it that we celebrate Ness miracles? Then what do we call miracles? The answer is that nature is no less of a miracle than a miracle that we call a miracle. The, what we call a Ness is something that everybody sees. When Hashem does something that everyone could see, not only the Ma'amin, even the person who has no emuna. He's able to see and say, wow, that's a miracle. Hashem turns the ocean into blood. You don't have to be a ma'amin to see that ness. So what we call miracles, that's all for the people who don't have emunah. For the people who don't have emunah, or at least not the highest level of emunah, so for them... To see Hashem's hand, it has to be on a flag. The word nest means to be hoisted up. Hashem says, hey, hello, I'm here, look up. So once in a while, we will see in our lives a nest. A nest, you don't need to be a ma'amin to see Hashem in that nest. That's what we call nisim. But says the Ramban, for a Torah Jew, he doesn't need something Every, to, something supernatural to see a nest. The nature itself is a nest. Every single thing that's going on, if God, if, if, if Baruch Hashem, I'm healthy, so it's a nest. And if it's the opposite, it's a nest. And if I'm making a lot of money, it's a nest. And if I'm not, it's also a nest. And everything is a nest. For a ma'amin, for a believer, there are no, there is no, not there's no miracles, there's no teva. 
There's no nature. There's no, oh, that's normal. There's no normal. There's nothing normal. You made a few dollars? Wow, miracle. Hashem gave that to me. That's what the Ramban says. That a person has no helic, which means you cannot honestly call yourself a Jew that's connected to Torah and Moshe Rabbeinu if you don't have emunah of this level. Like again, we're mentioning, it's not so easy to have this emunah. I'm not talking to you here and preaching to you and saying, wow, you guys, you don't have emunah, you need to work on yourself. We're talking here together. We're learning the Ramban together. This is a hard emunah. This emunah means you're never frustrated when someone does something to you. That means you're never afraid of what is going to be. It's not, you, 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 anytime you complain about something, it means you're lacking this emunah. We're not there. I don't believe the people sitting in this room, including the speaker, has this level of emunah. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't educate ourselves. And the only way to get there is if we learn about it. So clearly this is a very high level of life and we need to get there. But we first have to know about it and learn its reality. The Nefesh HaChayim writes that this that we say Hashem is called, we call him Baal HaKohot. I mean, he is the owner of all the strength. What does that mean? It means any strength that somebody has, somebody takes his fist, and starts punching a window. That strength, the Baal Kohot, who is the Baal Kohot? Hashem. Hashem allowed him to punch that window. Now again, if the person should have punched it or not, that's his choice. Hashem will deal with him if he made the wrong choice. But if that window gets punched and broken, it is only because Hashem signed off on it. He is the Baal Kohot. He is the one who gives Kohot. Says the Nefesh HaChayim, what does that mean? That Hashem is the Baal Kohot. He is the owner of all the strength there is in the world. Says the Nefesh HaChayim, that Hashem is not like humans. Well, we knew that, but he explains, and something that, again, because we're human, we only see from the human eye. But we have to realize, God is not like that. He says, by human standards, when a person builds a building or builds a car, so they put their energy into the building, they put it together. When the building is finished, the building stands on its own without their strength. The building no longer needs the builder to hold it up. He built it, he put everything into it. When it's done, it becomes independent of the builder. The koah of the builder is no longer playing a role in the building strength. He says, when it comes to Hashem, it's not like that. Because a human, all he does is take something that Hashem made and just put it together. But when Hashem made the world, He didn't just make it. He is upholding the world. Like we say every day in Shahid, we say, Hashem is HaMehadesh Betuvo which means every single day, Hashem is renewing the creation of the world. Meaning it's not that Hashem made a world of nature and then said, okay guys, you're on your own, live it up, do what you have to do. The earth, you keep moving, 
the people you keep running, you keep giving birth, you have children, you know, it's not like that. He is constantly giving hidush, which means he's giving strength to the world as if it is the first day of creation. That's why it says in Tehillim, The one who is making the great lights, the sun, the moon, doesn't say le asa orim gedolim, the one who made them. It says the one who is making them. That's what we say every day in Shahri. Hashem is the one making Shamayim. For me, he made it already. It's already here. No, no, it's not like that. When Hashem makes something, it's only his energy that keeps holding it up. That means every the next step I take. That ground in front of me is only going to be there because Hashem's koah is allowing it to be there. It's a constant oseh. He's constantly making the world run. This is a very important story that we all must remember when it comes to the subject of emunah. It's a very familiar story. Everybody knows it. It's the story of Yosef HaTzadik when he was in jail. 12 years he's in jail. It's been two years since the Sarah Mashkim was asked by Yosef to remember him, to give Par'ah maybe a good word for him. The Pasuk says, Vayhi, Miketz. Remember that word, Miketz. Vayhi, Miketz, Shenataim Yamim. It was at the end of two years. Ufar'o holem, and Par'o has a dream. Vehine omed or he's standing by the Nile, and you know the rest is history. He has no interpretation for the dream. Finally, Yosef was asked to come and help him, and the rest, as we know, is history. Good. Says the Midrash on this Pasuk, what does it mean, Miketz? Just say that. As we don't have to know two years altogether, just saying it was after two years. What's miketz? Miketz means at the end. Usually, when things happen, we say, okay, two years later, I got married. Three years later, I had a child. Five years later, we don't say at the end of two years from high school, I got married. At the end of what? You only say at the end when there's something that there was an end to it. When I finished high school, you could say that. But you don't say in things that happen in your life at the end. You say after. After two years, this is what took place. So the Midrash says, what's miketz? What does that mean? At the end of two years. Just say after two years, after he met Sarah Mashkim, this is what happened. Says the Midrash, no, no, it's not like that. Says the Midrash, Quotes a pasuk in Iyov. Ketz sam lahoshech. Hashem puts an end to darkness. Says the Midrash, it was the time, it was the end for the tsarot, for the troubles of Yosef. Sam, Hashem, Ketz sam lahoshev. There was an end to how long 
Yosef is supposed to remain in jail. So after those two years ended, Paro had a dream. The Beta Levi on this Pasuk says beautifully, is anyone who reads this story, anyone who was there and was asked, so tell me, what was the Siba? What was the cause that Yosef was able to leave jail? So he would tell you, what do you mean? Paro had a dream. It was a, a mina shamayim type of thing. Paro had a dream. He had nobody to interpret it. It's amazing how, again, Be'yad Hashem, how Sarah Mashkim already met Yosef before. So he knew about him. And then, as you know, the rest is history. That's how most people would read the event. They would read, there was a cause, the dream. There was another cause, the meeting of Yosef and Sarah Mashkim. And the result, Yosef becomes the Mishneh Lamelech. Says the Beta Levi from this Pasuk, Torah is telling you it's not like that. He says, for example, he says the word Siba, the word Siba means the cause, the cause of why something happened. A person goes to a business meeting. They have some beautiful merchandise that they design. They, t- they show up at the meeting and they get this big order and they make a lot of money. So someone says, how, how did this guy make money? So very simple. He had goods. They were very good. Very well designed. Good timing. Good price. He sold the goods. He made a lot of money. How did that guy make money on that building? Very nice. He did his research. He found a good price. He refurnished or refurbished the building and made it look beautiful. And now he sold it. Cause and effect. Simple. Why did you do well on your test? Because you studied. Why did you... Everything has a cause and effect. Says the Beta Levi, if anyone reads the story, the cause would be the dream and the effect would be what happened with Yosef. Says, you see, the Torah says not like that. Which means, Hashem determined that Yosef needs to get out. That was the Siba. That's the reason. Now, the Siba caused Paro to have a dream. It's not that Paro had a dream and therefore Yosef got out. No, no. It was time for Yosef to get out. And that's why Paro had a dream. It was time for that guy to make money. That's why he designed the goods and sold them at that price. It was time for that person to make good money on his building. So Hashem put that building in front of him and he bought it and he refurbished it. And he, okay. The Siba is always coming from Hashem and Hashem puts the Siba and puts it in the physical world that a person will get it through a natural means. That's why it says by the man. The man, for 40 years our people ate man, which is clearly bread from heaven. That's really lechem min That was a training course for our people to realize that this is the way we eat all the time. The Pasuk says over there, Velo he'adif ben. A guy tried to gather extra man. So you know what? I see a lot. Let me get more. Lo he'adif. When he came home, 
He looked, same amount. There was someone who didn't get so much. He went home, he looked, up, same amount. It didn't matter if you took more or less, you always ended up with that amount for you. Each one got according to what he eats. That's not just in the story of the man. That's the story of life. The story of life is that Hashem has for each person what they need in every area of life. One of them is Parnassah, but of course, it's in every area of life. If a person stubs his toe, that there was, a, you know why? By he miketz, it was time for that person to stub their toe. Why? Hashem knows why. And everybody has to learn why, and we will learn, going through why things do happen. But no matter what happens to you, no matter if it was through a rock that hit you, or it was a bird that fell on your head, or it was a human that cursed you, it, or gave you something, it doesn't matter. The Baal Emuna sees Hashem in that happening in that story. Hazal tell us that, for example, a person's parnasa is decided for that person from Rosh Hashanah. What they will get that year, how much tools they will have that year, will be determined on Rosh Hashanah for the year. Now again, first a person has to make Ishtadlut. If you don't make Ishtadlut, you don't get it. But don't think that Ishtadlut is the one that's bringing you the results. That's one of that's the you know this is the the big mistake the big I would say the big nisayon the big test of this emuna the reason what makes this emuna so hard is because our eyes our hands our legs our ears our nose our mouth is seeing it totally different. Meaning, you're asking yourself to contradict your eyes. Your eyes said that this is what happened. And now we're saying, no, it's not what happened. Your ears said, no, I heard it from that guy's mouth. I heard it. They said it. I'm telling you, I heard it. It was their voice. I could, I could swear it was their voice. But it's not. That's why this level of emunah is so hard. Because it's actually asking us to contradict what our eyes and what our ears are looking at and hearing. It's very difficult. A person gives you a gift. Who gave you the gift? No, no. Hashem gave you the gift. Now, you have to thank Him. Because, like it says, He had good intentions. Since he had good intentions, you got to thank him for that. But the fact that you got a gift, your gift didn't come from him. Could you believe that? Well, he gave it to me. I saw. He went shopping and he got me the gift. I could swear on that. But he didn't. It's hard. Hard to believe that. You see a person on a shop, middle shop, take his gun or take something, a weapon, and hurt people. And you'll say, that's the guy. He is the one that caused the damage. And we say, oh no, he didn't. He didn't cause the damage. I mean, he's not a good guy. Again, what Hashem will do with him, that's his issue with him. But the fact that this happened, 
and this damage took place, and this murder took place, or that situation took place, that's not because of him. You think because he had a gun, that's why those people died? You think because he had that weapon, that's why they died? You're, 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 you're connecting the dots in the physical world? You forgot the Ramban. Everything is a mess. Even tragedy is a mess. It's something supernatural. So we're asking ourselves to contradict why things happened. You made a bad investment. You thought it was good. You put it in the stock market, somebody told you it's a good company, and then all of a sudden, boom, it goes bankrupt. You say, ah, I blew it. The company lost money. My friend gave me bad advice. We say no. That's not what happened. Again, you made your best hishtadlut. We're not saying you should throw your money and see where it lands. But you made your best hishtadlut. You brought the best goods that you thought would be best for your customer, and it didn't work. That's just the way it works. Who did that? You're going to beat yourself up because of what you tried your hardest? No. That's called Hashem gave you the loss or the gain. There is a pasuk that describes beautifully what we just said. It says, Ki mi mi Adonai. Who is powerful like Hashem? Who? Umi tzur zulati Elohenu. Who is a rock? Rock means strong like Hashem. The word tzur means strength. Like I said, it means the rock. But if you look in the Zohar, the Zohar says the right way to explain this word sur is not strength, not rock. It says the Zohar en sayar kelohenu. There is no artist like Hashem. Hashem is the greatest artist. You think the pasuk means that Hashem is the greatest kawah, he's the strongest? No, no, that's not what it means. It means he is great in his ability to draw. He's a great artist. Now, anybody sees the Zohar and says, why, why, why is that a good thing? Why are we calling God, to call him strong? That's nice. Strong, powerful. To call him, yeah, you're a great artist. That, that's it? That's That's... The great praise that Hashem is looking for, that He is an artist. Why? Why is that important? How is that relevant to God altogether? So there's a beautiful story that took place. It's a It took place. The world was up in arms about two very, very famous artists. Each one had millions and millions and millions of fans who swore up and down that this artist of theirs is the greatest artist in the world. And the other group, the other millions of people, had the same feeling for their artist. And it was a whole competition. You know, sometimes these people fighting about their baseball team. My team is the best. My player is the best. So in this world, it, was, it wasn't about boxing, and it wasn't about football or baseball or basketball. It was art. People were all over it. And each one had their artist. That was their guy. So people started getting into a lot of fighting. 
Who's the best? He's the best. He's the best. Finally, they decided, you know something? One person had a good business idea. He said, why don't we settle this once and for all? Let's make a competition. We'll give each artist one month to draw the best that he can. We'll come into a full stadium with over 100,000 spectators. We'll telecast it live to the entire world. We'll bring the top judges, the top artists in the world to be the judges that they will be able to decide based on what the guy made. Who is number one? Who is the champion? The world champion artist. So this was a great idea. Everyone was into it. The artist agreed. They went into their room, each one. And for one month straight, each one is doing the best that they can to draw the finest piece of art imaginable. And finally, the day comes. A super art day. And everybody's in the crowd. Everyone's tuned in. The judges are there. They're waiting for the artist to come out. And finally, they come out. They come out with two boxes. Each one has his box. And they ask the first artist, please, why don't you open your box? Show us what you, what you drew. So he says, he says, no, you know what? He says, why don't you let him go first? Let him go. Give him cover. I don't want to go first. I feel I'd better go second. He says, you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. So they tell the other artist, you go. He comes up to the podium. He takes his box. He takes out the painting out of his box. Everyone is watching and they're going wild. What did the guy draw? He painted, he painted a bowl of fruits, apples, oranges, bananas, grapes. So you say, what's the big deal? The big deal is they look real. They looked so real, all of a sudden they saw there were birds in the stadium that came down to eat from the bowl until they got to the painting and realized there's nothing there. And the place is going wild. Everyone's standing ovation. The guy, he painted something that fooled the birds, the birds thought it was real. This was a great moment in the history of art. So they told the second artist, Bechavot, you go ahead, show us your painting. He says to the judges, he says, nah. He says, after that, I'm not going to show you my piece. They told him, come on, you've been working a month. We got to this moment. Show it to us. He said, I'm not showing it to you. I'm not going after that. They told him, please, everybody wants to see what you made. Just show it to us. He says to them, listen, if you want to see what I made, you take it and you take it out of the box. You show it to the people. <laughs> the art, the uh, judges come, pick up the box, they go to the podium, and they start to take it out of the box. And then they realize... 
but there's no box. The guy painted a box. He painted a box and they're looking to take something out. There's nothing there. It was a painting. It wasn't a real box. When they realized what the guy did, the people, they couldn't believe it. Standing ovation, double the first guy. When they came to see who's going to be the champion, who is the artist? So they sat down, the judges, and they said, the first guy was unbelievable. If you're an artist, and you can fool birds with your picture, you're, you're some artist. But they said, the second guy, he didn't fool birds. He fooled humans. He fooled the artists themselves. He said, if you can fool the human eye, then you're a great artist. The creator of the world is the greatest artist. He doesn't fool just the birds. Doesn't just fool your eyes. He can fool your hands. He can fool your legs. He can fool your ears. He can fool your nose. You could think you're hearing something, it's something else. You think it happened because of this, because your eyes saw it, it's something else. En sayar kelohena. There isn't an artist like Hashem that can make you work, walk in a world where everything looks so natural and so automatic and he's literally fooling your eyes every step of the way to think that this happened because of that, because of her, because of him, because of the market, because of this, because of the rock that I slipped on, because of the car that did. You could swear up and down that the world is doing all this and Hashem is behind drawing everything. There is no artist like Hashem. You know, when a person makes his tadlut, when a person makes his effort, especially to make money or to succeed in something like that, it's so hard to actually believe that when you made the money, it wasn't you. Hashem fools you. You get, you go home and say, "Ah, I'm so smart. Look at that idea I had. The right timing, how I said the word exactly the right time. I think that." And you give yourself a pat on the back. Go, yes, yes, yes. Look in the mirror. Smile to yourself. That's what we do. And who can blame the person? That's what happened. Hashem warns us in the Torah. A warning. I don't want you to think I'm talking here and like we're talking... I just made up these words. So everything we're talking about are Torah, Torah principles. That's why the Ramban says, "En lo Moshe." The Torah says Moshe Rabbeinu gets up and says, at "The end of his life, he says he shamer lecha." He says, "Be careful." et Adonai I'm afraid that you're gonna forget God. In the desert, you're not gonna forget God. Because you have man coming down from Shemaim. You have water traveling with you. You have clouds of glory on top of it. You're not going to forget God here. Because you see that there's nothing that you did to earn what you're getting. It's clear. But he says, I'm worried about you. Now I'm leaving you. And now you're going to go to the promised land. And you're going to live a life of Teva. You're going to live a life of nature. And what's going to happen he says, I'm worried about you. Pentochal 
Vesavata. You're going to eat. You're going to make a lot of food. And you're going to be savaya. You're going to be full, satiated. Ubatim tovim tevne. You're going to work very hard. And you're going to build beautiful homes. And you're going to go to that home and say, Ah, look what I built. Look what I made. You're going to have a lot of real estate. You're going to walk around Manhattan and say, wow, look at that. That building is mine. I own that building. So smart how I got it right before the market went. Just, ah. Everyone else just dips their oh, no. <laughs> I have the right moment. I just knew. He says, Moshe, I'm, going to be, I'm worried about you. You may have a lot of gold and silver, a lot of money in the bank. You have all these investments, and you're looking at it, saying, wow, what a, what a guy. Look what I did. All of a sudden, your heart is going to get, have a lot of pride. You're going to forget who gave it to you. And you're going to say, Kohi, it was my strength. It was my powerful hand. Who made all this? Who made all the success? Financial success, social success, political success. Torah success. Who made all this Hatzlacha? Look at this family that I that I have brought up. Look at all of these things that I made. And who can argue with that person when you look at the nature? Look at that. Well, it's up. He's right. Says Moshe Rabbeinu, you're not right. Because you forgot. It was time for you to make money. So Hashem gave you an idea to buy that building. It was time for you to make money. So He gave you an idea to buy that stock. He put in your brain all of a sudden an idea to come up with this great item that no one thought about. Where did the item come from? How did a new idea come to your brain? How does it work? When you build a computer... No, everything that you want in that computer is already entered from the manufacturer. The computer doesn't learn new things while it's on the job. You ever try to teach a computer something new that the programmer didn't enter? It tells you, sorry, I don't understand. Error, fatal error. It's gone. I don't understand what you're talking about. Give it a command. It doesn't know what you're talking about. You don't get new ideas in a computer. The only ideas a computer has is the one that the manufacturer put in there. So our brain, how is it that we get new ideas? Hashem gave us a brain. He programmed the brain. Here we are. And all of a sudden, we're sitting one day and saying, you know what? I got a great idea. Why don't I make it this way? And I can do it for that. And then, wow, great idea. Where did that idea come from? Who popped it into your head? 
הנותן לך כוח לעשות חיים. Don't forget. Says Moshe Rabbeinu, I worry about you. Because your success may lead you to give yourself the credit. You're not going to see the ness. You're not going to see the miracle that was behind what your eyes are looking at. There's a story of a guy who grew up on the farm. He never saw a city in his life. Not a small city, not a big city. Very, very simple man. Only thing he ever saw is wheat and corn. That's it, nothing else. One day, he won some sort of ticket to visit New York City for the week. He went from farm to New York City, straight. He gets to the city, looking around, he never, he, didn't know, he never saw anything. Never saw cars, he never saw people like that. He never saw buildings like that. He never saw any, never saw a system. He's a guy living on his own. He's walking around, he cannot believe what he's looking at. And then he finds himself outside this big, huge building, the post office, huge stairs all the way up whole block long and he sees people going up the building with nothing in their hand and sees other people coming down from the building with boxes small boxes big boxes he's what is this building you go in you get boxes he goes up he's watching as things unravel he sees people waiting online they go to the teller when it gets to their turn they give the guy $10, $20, they show him their ID, and he gives them a box. He tells the guy coming out, what's in the box? One guy tells him, oh, it's uh, Rolex watches. One guy says, oh, I got uh, diamond rings. One guy got all types of, he got sneakers. One guy got, he says, what an item. We don't have this in the farm. What a... So what does he do? He waits online. He's waiting online. He gets his uh, driver's license ready. He has his ID. He's looking at $20. He's waiting. Finally, everybody goes. He gets, they give him the dollar. They get the box. Finally, he goes. Gets his turn. Takes that $20. He's here. Here's my ID. He says, what do you want? He says, I'm coming to get my box. He said, what box? You have a box here? They're checking the computer. There's no box. He said, what do you mean there's no box? Everybody I'm watching comes here, gives $20, and they get a box. So finally they figured out, the guy is a tipesh. He doesn't know anything. She doesn't listen. I don't explain something. She says, the people here, they don't pay $20 for their box. They already have a box here. Someone sent them a box. For us to give them the box, they pay us $20. But it's their box. We're not giving them the box. This is exactly how it works by Parnasa. The box is there for every person. Hashem has the box already. Of course, we have to make Ishtadut. You got to wait online. You got to work hard. You got to do what you have to do. But don't think that the box is the one, is your effort brought the box? Like the Mesilat Yasharim says, Hishtadlut, making effort, 
is mukhrah. You have to make an effort. You cannot expect to sit home and Hashem will give you what He's supposed to give you. You're not getting it if you sit home. Mukhrah, you must make hishtadlut. Aval enenu mo'il. But it doesn't help. Don't think your hishtadlut helps. Your hishtadlut is the price you pay for standing at the counter to get the box. That's all. But what's there for you is there for you. Of course, this is very hard for us. And that's why we have to continuously find sources in the Torah to remind us that this is the emet. Like it says in Kohelet, Shlomo Melech says, Shafti, he did research. It's interesting. Shafti, he says, I went around, I sat on, I sat on this. I saw under the sun, which means he looked at all of what's going on on the planet. He says, It's not the fastest, it's not the lightest people that are running the fastest. It's not the most strong that are winning the wars. And it's not the smartest people that are having a lot of success financially. Shlomo Melech says in Mishle, in this beautiful pasuk, he says, Ashir, we know what that is, a wealthy person. Yeah, we always talk, we always talk about money, by the way. It's not only money. It's every, everything Hashem gives a person. All different tools are given. Everything is Ashir. Ashir means success. Ashir Varash. Rash is the opposite of Ashir. He is very needy. He doesn't have anything. Says Shalom Melech. Listen to this Pasuk. You're not going to understand the first. But just pay attention. Ashir Varash. Nifgashu. Nifgashu means they meet each other. Ose Kulam Adonai. Hashem makes them all. First, read, read this pasuk. What, what does it say? Again, first part of the pasuk talks about a meeting that took place between the Ashir and the poor. The second part of it says, you know who makes them all? You know who made these guys? Hashem made them. What is the connection between the beginning of the pasuk? He only made them after they met. He didn't make them before they met. What does it say? Ashir varash nivgashu. Oh, ose kulam Hashem. Hashem makes them all. The explanation is as follows. And if you'll forgive me if I offend anybody. The Ashir sits home. He doesn't know what's going on out there. He doesn't, he doesn't know who the Rash, who this poor guy is. He's imagining to himself, all these people out there, a bunch of dips. Yeah, they don't know anything. They don't have good skills. They're not smart. They don't know how to make decisions. If they knew how to make decisions, they would make so much money. It's so easy. So easy. What are they doing, all these people? He looks at the people around him, all a bunch of miskinim. They don't understand anything. The poor guy, also there's another rich guy, he's imagining, everything I do, I fail. I tried this, I fail. I tried that, I fail. I opened this business, it goes down. I tried that investment, I lost. I can't do anything right. Oh, the rich guy, he's so smart. How, how does he know? This one, he's such a brilliant guy. I'm such a dip. I'm such a fool. 
can't believe it. So the Ashir, he's thinking that the other guy doesn't know anything. And he's a smart guy. The Rash thinks he doesn't know anything and the other guy is a smart guy. And then they meet each other. And all of a sudden, he says, the Ashir, he doesn't know how to write. The guy doesn't know how to write English. He made a billion dollars this year. He doesn't know how to write. He needs someone to write him his emails. You ever get some emails from wealthy people? Not all of them, but I've gotten some emails from wealthy people. You cannot believe. There is no periods. There are no commas. There is no, not zero. You need an interpreter to understand what they're trying to say. And as he's talking to him, he realizes the guy is just not smart. You ask him from this, he answers you from here. He says, I've experienced this myself. I'm not so smart. But you sit with a Gemara, try to learn with somebody. Guy is a multi-billionaire. So what does it say? It says, here's the law of the Mishnah. You got it? What's the, okay, yeah, I got it. Okay, good. Okay, now. The Gemara says that this is a problem. There's a question on this. What's the question again? <laughs> I, I just said it to you. Okay, let's repeat it one more time. Well, what's the question? The question, oh, I got the question. Okay, good. Now, what did Mishnah say again? What was the first thing that we said? Okay, I got it. Okay, now we're going to do the answer. You ready for the answer? Okay, here's the answer. Takes 10 minutes to get the answer. What was the question again? What were we trying to answer? I forgot. Now, if you think I'm exaggerating, this is real life talk. Okay? Now, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. The real reality is you think that the people who are successful in business are the smartest people? That is the biggest joke. And again, you'll forgive me if I'm offending anybody. It's the biggest joke. You have many people that are not smart at all. And yet, there are many people. You think education is the one that's giving them atzlaha? You, How many people do you know that are billionaires that actually went to school? You know how many high school dropouts on the top Forbes uh, 500? Now, that doesn't mean a person shouldn't try to make hishtadlut. Does not mean that. Hishtadlut means educate yourself, prepare yourself, do the best that you can. There's no mitzvah in being not smart, in being not educated. You do the best you can. That's obvious. But the results on the ground, you're going to tell me that this guy is very smart and this guy is not very smart? You have brilliant people who can't get a job in this country. Brilliant. They finished 10 years of college. They're... they're Top in every area, but they can't get a job. And even if they get a job, they get they pay them very little. Oh, Ashir and the Rash, when they buy, when they don't know each other, they think, oh wow, look at this. You know who made me? I don't know who made him, but I know who made me. <laughs> but when they meet each other, Nifgashu, Ose Kulam Hashem, they realize, oh wow, Hashem is the one doing everything. It doesn't make sense that this guy should be any better than that guy. 
the reality is that Hashem runs that world. You know, there's a, there's a story. I want to hear a story, a nice story. But you got to pay attention to the story. The story is about a man, an anti-Semite in Europe, who constantly was trying to get the Jews in the city. So he would constantly go to the to the mayor of the city and tell him, look what they're doing, and what this, and maybe we could do this. And maybe we could. And of course, the mayor's got to be careful. And finally, one day, he came to the mayor with a great idea. He convinced him. This guy was a very, very smart man. He knew the entire Torah, the Bible, he knew everything. He says, I want to have a match, a competition. Let the Jewish community in the city send one guy to represent them. They will come to have a debate with me. We'll go on top of the bridge. And the first person, we ask each other questions, the first person that makes a mistake, we're going to throw him off the bridge. And Baruch Dayana Amen. Done. That's gonna be. The mayor agrees. He says, Good idea. We need a little action in the city. Good competition. The message goes out to the Jewish community that this is the plan. In a few weeks, we're having this competition. We need a representative from the Jewish community to go debate this guy. Now they're stuck. Who are they gonna send? So some told the rabbi to go. You go. <laughs> You're the smartest man here. You go. Then others said, no, the rabbi. Oh, we need the rabbi. We can't lose the rabbi. We can lose other people, not him. So they said, oh, maybe this guy, maybe that guy. They're going around the city looking for volunteers. Nobody is interested. They're going back and forth. Who should we go? Who should send him? Finally, in the last hour, the wagon driver of the city shows up to the rabbi, says, Rabbi, I'll go. Tell him, you? You don't know anything. Yeah, Guy hasn't opened a book in 50 years. What, what are you talking about? You're going to go and debate with him? He says, listen, I'm a wagon driver. If I lose, big deal, you'll replace me very easily. It's fine. It is what it is. You sure? Yes, okay. Now this guy, he's on the bridge. He's waiting to see who the Jewish community thought is on the level that could debate with him. All of a sudden, who does he see? The, he can't believe it. They sent the wagon driver of the town to go and to debate with him. I got so angry. Can't believe it. That's what they think of me. They sent the wagon driver. So he's so angry, he can't even talk. He tells the guy, you know what, you go first. No, ask. So the wagon driver tells him, there's a Rashi that says, Lo yadati pirusho. What does that mean? Lo yadati perusho. 
What does it mean? He says, I don't know the explanation. Oh, the judge said, the guy doesn't know the explanation? They took him and they threw him off the bridge. <laughs> he didn't know. He didn't know the explanation. The people watching, they couldn't believe it. This guy? Genies. What? Who thinks of that? They could not believe what this guy thought of. How do you think of that? The community is going wild. They can't believe it. This wagon drive like, made a fool out of the guy. They're throwing him a party. They're high-fiving him. They're hugging him. They can't believe it. Finally, he gets to the rabbi. The rabbi says, you know, I'm very impressed with you. He says, how did you think of that? Like, that's such a, that's so brilliant. How did you think of that question? He says, I'll tell you the truth. He says, every week, I read Humash with Rashi. Because I read every week for the parashat, Humash Rashi. He says, I don't know how to read Hebrew. I don't understand translating Hebrew. So I need a translation in the English language, whatever language you want, in the English language, so that I can understand what Rashi is saying. I don't understand what Rashi is saying. So I saw over here, it says Rashi writes, Lo yadati pirusho. He said, I look at the translator. The translator writes, <laughs> the translator wrote, I don't understand the explanation. So I said to myself, if the translator of Rashi, <laughs> if the translator of Rashi doesn't know what Rashi means, you think this guy doesn't know what Rashi means? You understand? That's what happens. We think we're so smart. Everyone, oh, the genius, the genius of the town. The guy's the biggest dip of the town. And in his dipness, he made it. And it's a cute story, but it's a real life story. Because you see it all the time. Where people end up doing things, the smartest ideas become the dumbest ones. The dumbest ones become geniuses. That's how it is. At the end of the day. You know, the Torah warns us. The Torah warns us. Be careful, the Torah. Is We're going to be reading the parasha in a few weeks. Parashat Pehukotai. Look over there really well. And over there it talks about the berachot, the blessings, and the klalot, and the opposite of blessing that come to Am Yisrael. And Hashem tells Am Yisrael what happens when we don't have a connection to Him, when we don't listen to His mitzvot. We are His people. We represent something. So the Pasuk says, Ve'im lo tishmeuli, if you don't listen to my mitzvot, there's terrible things there. You should read it yourself. Terrible curses. I'm not going to repeat them what they are. One example is your enemies will run after you and they will capture you. Your haters 
will rule over you, you will run, and that there will be nowhere to run. On and on. Continues the Pasuk and says, Ve'im telechu emikeri. What's going to be your reaction when that happens? If you will walk with me, keri, keri is kufresh yud. What's keri? Keri means mikre. Mikre, oh, just happened. Oh, just happened. I mean, look, we have enemies. They don't like us. They happen to come and uh, destroy our country. If you walk with me and say this is a mikre, it's just something that happens in the world, it'll get worse. And then it says, and if after that, again you say, again, it gets worse. The word keri is mentioned there numerous times. Keri means teva. Teva means nature. The Torah is talking about enemies. It's talking about wars. It's talking about people who hate us. Yet, yet, we know it's not them. We know at the end of the day, Hashem is behind it all. And we must always recognize that from the, the enemy sworn to our destruction, who would kill their own children to destroy us, it's not them. Yes, they have an issue with their Creator. But as far as we're concerned, it's not about them. Should we fight against them? Of course. We have to make Ishtadlut. Should we try politically to make things better? Of course. We, should, we have to make Ishtadlut. we got to do Ishtadlut in every way possible. Because we have to live in the world of nature. But never to think that things happen because of the terrorist. Or because of that guy. Or because... If, it's not like that. That's not the way it works. Kelly is a recipe for disaster. You know, you've heard this many times. How many Tisha Be'avs have you heard? Why was the Beit HaMikdash destroyed? As I'll say, because of Sinat Hinam. Why was the first Beit HaMikdash destroyed? Because of certain Averot. And we always listen to that and say, oh yeah, we know, we know why the second Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. There was hatred. Really, do you know that in the second Beit HaMikdash, there was an enemy that hated us? There was an enemy that was sworn to our destruction, no different than enemies that we have today. Why was the Beit HaMikdash destroyed? Because there were enemies that hate us, and they came to fight against us, and they were very powerful, and we couldn't beat them. Simple answer. What's the question? Why do you even ask that question? Next time you hear that question, why was the Beit HaMikdash destroyed? What kind of question is that? It wasn't like a, a meteor came from Shamaim and blew up the Beit HaMikdash. It was enemies there. People who don't like us. But Hazal understand what the Ramban says. Hazal understand everything we're talking about today. There's no such thing. You think the Romans destroyed the Beit HaMikdash? You believe that? You think we sit on, Bet- on Tisha B'Av and talk about the Romans? And talk about the Assyrians? That, that's not what we spend our time doing. It's a waste of time. Because it's not them. If something happened to us, it's nothing to do with them. It's because the creator of the world is the one who put this to happen. And if he made it happen, we have to think why. Because Hashem doesn't do things for no reason. You know, we have in the Haggadah. <clears throat> 
להגדה, I just want you to be careful. There is something that we do all the time that can take this class and put it in a very far, far file somewhere in the cabinet and you'll never see it again. And that is the fake emunah that we display with our mouths. Something happens to you, say, Baruch Hashem. Ah, hakol mina shamayim. Hakol letova. Im yirtse Hashem. Be'ezrat Hashem. How many times have we said those words? And when we say those words, we feel like we are a ma'amin. And we have to be very careful. I'm not saying we should stop saying those words. But we have to be very careful that those words that declare emunah with the mouth are so far from the reality of what we're actually feeling. Every time we say Baruch Hashem, we have to actually think what that means. And Be'ezrat Hashem, what that means. And Hakol Tova, we have to think what that means. It's not just a uh, words that we say out of our mouth. And very often, we can actually hold ourselves as Ma'aminim, because we say all these statements, these declarations, but in reality, when that person said something about us, we got very upset, we got very nervous, and then we say, Hashem Ya'azor. Hashem Ya'azor. If Hashem Ya'azor, you wouldn't be so nervous. What are you getting nervous for? Why are you complaining? Why are you saying, I wish that didn't happen? Why are you saying that all these statements sometimes can cover up the lack of emunah that we may have. Real emunah is the one that we spoke about today. It's an emunah where you see everything, everything from beginning to end. I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying that I do it in the right way. But I know it's something that I strive for, and something that hopefully I get better at every day. But the goal has to be clear. The goal has to be that if I get upset when someone says something to me, the next morning I wait, I say, that was a mistake yesterday. What am I getting upset because that person said something? I'm not, I'm not going to make shalom with that person because of what they did, what they said. It's not them. Come on, let's move, let's move forward. I'm going to catch myself. I may not be able to do it every second, but at least if the goal is clear, I'll be able to look back at my day and say, that was a mistake. I got upset with that. I got nervous with that. I shouldn't have gotten nervous. People get nervous at so many things. There are times to get nervous, not for today's class, but in general, nervousness about what Hashem is, what's going to happen in your life. That's not appropriate. That's a lack of emunah. There's a lack of emunah when you're afraid of things. There's a lack of emunah when you're worried about things. There's a lack of emunah when you blame people around you for your failure, or you take credit for your success. That's a lack of emunah. In the Haggadah we say, And generally speaking, when you list in Hebrew, or even in English like that, you don't say this and this and this. You say, this, 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 and this. You leave the end till the end. Here we say, Ehad hacham. 
Ve'ehad rasha. Ve'ehad. Wait, wait to put the vav in the end. Just go like this. Ehad hacham. Ehad rasha. Ehad tam. Ve'ehad. Why you start with the vav all the way in the beginning? I don't know if it's a big question. It's a cute question. But some give a very cute answer to it. It's a very cute answer. That the word ehad means only one. Ehad, when you know only Hashem is running your life, only ehad hacham. You're hacham. But if you're ve'ehad, if you think it's Hashem and, it's not ehad, it's ehad with, it's ve'ehad, zerasha. Ehad, remember that, ehad hacham. Ve'ehad, rasha. Any help you give Hashem is taking you backwards. Now, by the way, this is, this is the message of the Haggadah. We eat the night of Pesach, Matzot. Matzot, the Zohar calls the Matzah, the bread of Emunah. One of the reasons it's called the bread of Emunah, when you manufacture something, so for example, when you're manufacturing Matzah, well, let's go first to Hametz. The manufacturer puts water and puts flour. And then he leaves it. What happens? All of a sudden, it brings from its own and it rises. The rising is not something it got from the maker. The maker only put in these two ingredients and then it made its own. By matzah, it's water flour, and nothing else. Emunah is when you know there's nothing else besides what Hashem made. There's nothing else. Hametz is when you put your own in there. You put your own. No, no, I also did that. I also did that. I'm also involved. That's called Hametz. The bread of Emunah is Matzah. Now, if you noticed, we took three Matzot. Why three? So, our rabbis say three. Each one represents a different kind of emuna. There is asa. Asa means what Hashem did in the past. Hashem did. He made the world. He gave us the Torah. He did. He did that. Look, he took us out of Mitzrayim. He took us out of Syria. He took us out of Europe. Okay, he did asa. The second type of emuna is ose. Ose means right now, as things are happening right now. Why is it raining outside? Because Hashem made it raining. Why is it sunny? Because Hashem made it sunny. Why is it snowing? He made it snow. What? Ose. Whatever is happening, he's doing. Current. Ya'ase means, and whatever he's, whatever's going to happen, he's doing. Don't worry about the future. Ya'ase. Let him handle that. So there's three different types of emuna. There's asa, pest, ose, and Ya'ase. Three matzot. Each one represents a different type of emunah. Now notice, which one did we break? We broke the middle one. How come we broke the ose? What did he do? Why is he the guy that gets broken? Why didn't you break the asa or the ya'ase? Why did you break the one that's in the current? The answer to this question well, is an answer to another question. We all say, how many times have we said, Hashem Melech, Hashem Malach, Hashem Yimloch. Melech means 
He's the king now. He's in charge now. Malach is boss. Yimloch, future. But it's out of order, isn't it? Shouldn't it be Hashem Malach, Hashem Melech, Hashem Yimloch? How come we start with Hashem Melech in the present and then we go to the past? The reason is because Emunah is not easy. The past Emunah is not easy, but it's easier. It's easier to look in the past and say, Hashem did it. Okay, it's Minah Shemayim. The future didn't happen yet. So, it's going to be fine. didn't happen. But the Ose, as it's happening, as someone right now is talking about you, as something that you're going through right now, you have an issue with a Shiduch, you have an issue with a child, you have an issue with health, you have an issue with Parnasa, you have an issue with something, the Ose is now the hardest Emunah to achieve is in the now. And that's why that's the one that we break. Because that's the one that's so much more relevant to us. The Asa and the Oseh are not so relevant as much. It's easier. And that's why when we want to say Hashem, we say Melech. We want to say the first one first. That's the most critical one. You know, there's a story about a guy. He went to enroll in the Russian army. So they want to ask him questions to see if he's going to be a loyal soldier to the army. So the guy behind the desk asked him, listen, I want to ask you a question. Let's say the country needs your house. Would you give up your house for the country? He says, 100%. Give you my house. Check. He says, listen, would you give us all your fields? If we needed them, he says, absolutely, check. He said, would you give us all your cattle, all your animals that you own? Would you give it to us? He says, absolutely, 100%, check. Guys, roll. Can I ask them, listen, one more question. Would you give us your rooster? He says, my rooster? can't give you my rooster. I'm sorry. I can never give you my rooster. can't give you a rooster? X. Guy wanted to give his rooster to the country. Kish, you're out. You're not in. He goes back home. His family is waiting to see. So what happened? You want to go to the army? They're excited. What happened? He says, nah, I was, uh, I was rejected. Why? He says, listen, they asked me this. I told them I'd give them the house. I'd give him my fields, I'd give him my animals. But then they asked me for the rooster. I can't give him my rooster. They tell him, you don't make sense. If you give him your house, you give him your fields, and you don't give him your rooster, what's with you? He says, it's very simple. He says, a house I don't own. I don't own a house. They want the house, take it. I don't own it. I don't have fields, I don't have animals. The only thing I have is a rooster. I'm not giving them my rooster. <laughs> but that's how it is with us. Asa, no problem. Hashem did. He took us out of Mitzrayim. He took us out of Syria. He took us out of everywhere. He took me out of all my problems. He did, he did, he did. I'm a tremendous ma'amin the Not relevant. 
ויעשה, coming up, oh yeah, השם will do great, הכל לטובה, כל עקבה טובה, it's all good, בעזרת השם, all good. But right now, are you kidding? You know what she said to me? You know what? The Oseh, that's real. That's the rooster. That's now, I'm not giving him a rooster. Are you kidding? If not for him, I could have been something. If not for... The Oseh is the hardest emunah, and we break that one. We break that one because that's the one that needs the majority of the work. As you're going through your day, and you start getting nervous from somebody, stop, Oseh, Oseh, it's not them. Oseh, emunah and Oseh. This is, and by the way, and I end, really I ended this, it's the most beautiful way to live life. If you have emunah and Oseh, it's the most beautiful way to live life, and I pray that all of us are able to achieve it, because it's so, forget the mitzvah. It's just really sweet. You know, when we eat the maror, the night of Pesach, I don't know if you notice, but when we eat matzah, the night of Pesach, we lean, we lean. It's herut, freedom. We're free men. We're benem melachim. We're leaning to show that. When we eat maror, the bitter herbs, we don't lean. Somebody asks you, how come we don't lean by the bitter herbs? So how can we lean by bitter herbs? The bitter herbs is to remember, to commemorate all the pain and all the bitterness. We're not going to lean on that. Uh, good, good answer. Question. So why when we eat the maror in the sandwich, korech, then we lean, oh, there's bitter herbs there. How come with bitter herbs you're leaning? The answer is, when you put bitter herbs with emunah in the matzah, so it tastes very sweet. With emunah, without emunah, bitter herbs are very bitter. But with emunah, even bitter herbs can become sweet. You could lean on the maror if it's sitting with the matzah of emunah. Life becomes very sweet when we live with the oseh. This is real emunah that we should strive for. We're going to make mistakes. The goal of today's class is not to walk out and be 100% right this second. But the goal is that if you are going through something or you'll catch yourself doing something and say, oh, I should have done, I could have done better than that. That's not what's expected of me. I shouldn't get angry with that person. That's not why it happened. They didn't invite me. I shouldn't be angry with them. I shouldn't hold a grudge against them. That's what this class is about. It's about realizing what the target is, the Ramban that we learned. It's realizing that to see the artist in this world and to know he's just painting to fool your senses and to see him in everything that happens in life and it will make everything in life sweet. Even, God forbid, the bitterness that sometimes we have to experience, even that can feel sweet if we live with the Oseh. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen. Amen.